It's Thursday, May 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me from far, far away, it's Bill Barker. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's not that far. I, mean, I could be over to your place in half an hour. Come on over, man. We'll do one, we'll do one of these <laughs> in my basement. This will be great. Uh, we've got some earnings. We've got some, uh, let's just charitably call it, not exactly earnings. And we have a special anniversary tied to the business world. We're going to start with Cisco Systems. Third quarter profits came in higher than expected. Shares of Cisco up 4% this morning. And for a company that did $12 billion in revenue in 90 days, it's hard to get excited about Cisco Systems. It is. You know, uh, in a lot of ways, it's been hard for a long time. They peaked early. Most uh, valuable company in the world at one time for those of us that remember the dot-com era. And uh, Cisco remembers that. They referenced that uh, in either their uh, conference call or, or some of their comments on, you know, that having been a much harder time for them to get through the, than this or, or much very much different uh, that they were at the epicenter of the dot-com bubble, as, as they have put it. And uh, now they're, they're one among many to find their business uh, changed, um, not entirely for the better, but they're surviving well enough. And uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to panic. It's hard to get excited here. Although it would seem as though when you look at Everything Cisco Systems does in terms of networking um, with more and more large companies talking about enabling people to work from home. I, I don't know. This this seems like this seems like the next five to ten years should be set up pretty well for Cisco Systems to succeed. Yeah, the network services, uh, more and more important, security software as well. Uh, the video conferencing tools, if only, if only they had been uh, as successful with that as they might have been. It's certainly been something to, uh, that's, that's grown during this time, but uh, as, as you and I know from having used their product once upon a time and having moved to Zoom, uh, as have so many others, uh, they they have a good chunk of that business, but not as good as it could have been if uh, their product had been more uh, more successful, really. Yeah. The, Cisco Systems had the Motley Fool's business with WebEx video conferencing. They had us, and then they lost us. Yes. And I, you know, I've seen a few things on WebEx during this time, um, but really not not what uh, they would have liked in terms of uh, market share. And so it's a, it's a decent uh, growing part of the business. Um, but uh, as, as you said, they, they did a little bit better than expectations, but expectations had been brought down. So when you hear that this earnings season, somebody beat expectations, uh, understand that uh, probably those are not the expectations that were in place at the beginning of the year, and Cisco would be uh, one of those companies, and its stock really would would reflect that as well. It's been a nice little recovery from the bottom, um, but it's uh, still still off. I think about uh, 15, 20 percent from uh, or more from its uh, fifty-two week high. It's really right in about the middle. Of the stock right in about the middle of its fifty-two week range, uh, high to low. So. Uh, 
good enough quarter, stocks up 5%. Market was uh, pleased with the actual bottom line earnings here. Um, and Cisco's uh, positioned to, I think, continue to be a player you know, in all of these uh, security and video conferencing and networking services, but uh, they have to be pretty nimble as, as uh, you know, it may be more of a work from home future than what they were prepared for. Yeah. And I think that to the extent that anyone wants to put Cisco systems on a watch list, it's the list of companies that you look at their results and you say, okay, get back to me in two quarters. They need to follow up the results of this quarter with, I would say, at least two more quarters of somewhere in the range of solid to surprising growth. And if they can do that, then I think maybe somewhere in early 2021, it starts to get interesting for investors. But at this point, it's hard to get excited. Yeah, that's a lot of what ifs. I mean, we we can't feel too... We've downplayed the excitement of Cisco and, and our level of excitement. It's still, you know, close to a $200 billion market cap company. Uh, you know, it's done way more things right than wrong over its history. And, uh, uh, you know, it just, as I say, it's sort of peaked in some ways a long time ago, 20 years ago. And so it, it becomes harder, to, you know, to check back in on it 20 years later. And, find, you know, an avenue to get really excited. Shares of Smile Direct Club down 8% this morning. The first quarter loss was bigger than expected. And we probably shouldn't be surprised by this, right? I mean, non-essential medical and dental procedures are on hold. And Smile Direct Club is essentially in the business of non-essential procedures. Yes. And it, like others, uh, is finding its business plan shifting right now. That is, uh, they have a, you know, a a service where you can get a kit sent to your house and do your own uh, evaluation with their kit as to whether you would benefit from Smile Direct and and how. Uh, They've also got the Smile Shops, which are... uh, you know, in in malls and temporary locations, they have the advantage, as they point out in uh, in their report, of being able because they were on month to month leases for almost all of these to just sort of shut down these these smile shops where people would come in and have a dental technician do the procedure for them to evaluate whether uh, they could use Smile Direct. So they've saved money on that. They've saved money cutting back on spending, uh, but they are not getting the same sort of sales as, as they were you know, plotting their growth path for. They're moving that to more you know, at home. And so maybe that's in the long term, maybe that turns out to be an opportunity they weren't expecting to be as good as, as they're hopefully finding it is right now. There are a lot of industries that we talk about where at some point we will say something along the lines of this is not a zero sum game. You look at video streaming and there can be more than one winner. People are going to, people are going to, and do have a subscription to Netflix along with a subscription to Disney plus this industry 
very much seems like a zero-sum game. If you're spending money with Smile Direct Club, then you are not spending it with Align. You know, and by the way, Align Technology is a company that's about six times the size of Smile Direct Club. So this this really does seem like there's only going to be one winner. Yeah, I think to use both at the same time would involve, I don't know, some sort of bizarre Halloween costume that I can't quite picture. But I'd like to I'd like to throw it back to you. What, what would that look like? I don't know. It, it would involve maybe a bizarre Halloween costume. Also money. <laughs> more money than you need to spend on and, most Halloween costumes. Sure. And presumably some pain. So I don't know. We might need a consult from someone at party city or something like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the sort of Invisalign, which has got the brand, I think, uh, Align technology and is higher end and is more through sold through dentists offices and smile direct is a little bit more, uh, you know, of a lower end uh, targeted experience, and so uh, it's true. You 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 are either using one or the other if you're if you're going to use non-metal braces and um, use one of these companies. Uh, you you really can't. I don't know. I suppose you might fail with one and then try the other, but uh, it's it's not bad growth. Ten percent. Um, I think uh, revenue, 12% shipments uh, year over year. So there is some growth there. Uh, you know, places are opening up. The smile shops are likely to, to open up. I, as you pointed out initially, this is highly discretionary. Uh, so people will likely not go that route until they're fully comfortable with more close transactions with people. And that's I mean, hopefully in the ballpark of a year away uh, before that's likely to be something that, that is widespread and, and comfortable. Uh, so in the meantime, they've got the at-home kits. Those are doing well. They cut back their uh, marketing 90-some uh, percent, I think. Uh, so that is a, a major cost for them, uh, sort of an asset light model. Uh, so they have also succeeded in raising some money, so they're going to be able to stay afloat. But uh, you know, nobody's nobody's really excited by the numbers they're putting up just yet. Yeah, it, it, you touched on something which I think is going to be interesting to watch for the rest of the year and into 2021, and it is where do advertising dollars go if they go anywhere at all? Because I think that earlier in the earnings season, when we got the results from Alphabet and Facebook, and both companies basically said. Boy, March was really bad, and we were girding ourselves for uh, an as bad or even worse April, and things got better. I think there were some people out there who thought, oh, okay, advertising is not going to be as bad as we thought. And, but every time, you know, not that Smile Direct Club is the biggest company in the world, but <laughs> you cut your marketing spend by 90%. That's not, oh, we're shifting it from one medium to the other. It's like, no, we're just cutting it. Yeah, and now their marketing may have been set up going into so they've cut ninety percent over the last sixty days, and you know their marketing may have been around the smile shops, uh, and now there may be an opportunity to shift to the the at home kits, which they maybe hadn't prepared as much uh, advertising for. But hey, uh, until they're able to 
have the money in place that allows them to survive, you know, projections of a sort of one year long hibernation for a lot of their customers, uh, you know, they, they're going to be uh, cautious, certainly. They and everybody else are going to be uh, much more cautious about advertising spend. It was two years ago today that the Supreme Court struck down the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, which had prevented states from creating their own sports betting regulations. And coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, DraftKings is getting uh, some attention on Wall Street today. Uh, Susquehanna Financial initiated coverage on DraftKings, coming out with a positive rating, uh, uh, saying this, you know, look, DraftKings is the leader in a market that could be somewhere in the neighborhood of a $40 billion market in the next 10 years. Uh, that may be, but right now, it's crickets out there for sports and for sports betting. It's crickets in terms of what's actually happening on the on the field or on the court. But uh, there is, I think, increased talk, increased headlines about leagues reopening as other things are are reopening. And uh, baseball has got some plans put together. Uh, ownership and players are not on the same page about that, but. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, you can take a long-term view on, on this company. Sports will come back, which sports do come back first, whether there are fans there or not. Uh, it may be the case if you want to get bullish about this company that all the people that spent money going to games uh, will have that money in their pockets and will spend it, you know, betting on a game that they aren't attending. Uh, maybe uh, also DraftKings has online casino. They have blackjack and uh, slots, which uh, I, I've never really understood. Not to uh, downplay uh, slots for those that like to do do that, but uh, you know, I think online slots that strikes me as a. I don't know. <laughs> I can't get excited about how I would experience that. Um, and if DraftKings finds that there are people who disagree and, and are doing so at home and, and all that, can't go to the casino and need that, that fix, uh, they may be benefiting from that right now. What sports do you think are going to be coming back and when? Well, first, I just want to You're comment. a bit of a sports fan. Uh, I am a bit of a sports fan, although I, I do want to comment first. I think you're absolutely right about slots, because to the extent that there is an appeal in playing slots, it's in the physical action of either hitting the button or pulling the lever or whatever it is. And so it's yeah. all. Do you suppose they have all those noises going on on the, the DraftKings app while you're playing slots? I mean, I not just have, when you hit, but the whole background, bling, 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 you know. I think you would have to. I, I, I mean... That, that, that's a missed opportunity if they don't have that. This um, is one of those times when I feel like I could go down and really savage this experience, but I feel bad because there are people uh, who, who love to play slots and I would just be revealing that I, you know, I would come across as looking down on, uh, on, on that. But I, I do think at home, you know, it loses a lot. It, it may be... Uh, of all the casino games, perhaps it is, uh, you know, to me, hockey is that thing which loses the most by watching on TV versus being there. S slots may be the thing that loses the most by, by at home versus in the casino. 
So in terms of sports, um, yeah, I'm paying close attention to uh, the dribs and drabs of, of news that comes out about the NBA and the attempts to get back to either finishing out the regular season or, or starting a playoff uh, series or something like that. As you said, Major League Baseball, boy, that's, uh, the the politics at play for Major League Baseball is, is interesting to watch um, between the owners and the players' union. And I I think we all who are sports fans are looking at the NFL and trying not to think too hard about it, or at least that's how I'm approaching. I'm trying not to think too hard about the NFL because I would like the NFL to start on time. And if I think really hard about it, uh, I'm probably going to talk myself into, yeah, no, that's not going to work either. So I don't know. I, I, I think baseball has a better chance of maybe coming up with a, a shortened season. With every passing week, it becomes less and less likely that the NHL and the NBA do anything other than say, this is our, we're canceling this season in the same way that Major League Baseball in 1994 they had the strike and they just canceled the rest of the season. Um, obviously for different reasons than what's happening now, but I think that I think we're, we're getting pretty close to that happening with the NHL and the NBA. So uh, three or four different sports to address there. One, I would agree based on my limited knowledge of the NHL that they're likely to just give up because I think if you get into june or july and say okay we'll we'll have a, a shortened uh playoff c- series here in july it just strikes one as a little absurd for hockey whereas i think basketball they could string this out for a long time they could just take the top two four teams uh, based on their standings at, at the uh, suspension of play and even in july there would be excitement for that's that sort of a shortened playoff series and it would still be good money for the nba uh football i'm gonna bet that football comes back i'm gonna bet that it comes back and this may not sound like the greatest argument for it and i'm not arguing for it but the dangers of playing football already are so high transmission of COVID is like a drop in the bucket compared to the dangers that players actually assume going on the field. Um, the over under for an NFL season uh, where there's good testing of players, there's obviously tremendous contact, um, but you know, these players are all young enough. They're not in the camp where, where COVID itself is a, a high probability lethal event playing the game of football is a high probability lethal event so i would say that there are pressures um both business and you know the the just the the mentality of the game that make it more likely for football to come back than medically would be recommended let me close on this. And um, obviously, you have uh, a legal background. You were a lawyer once upon a time, and you can answer this question as a lawyer, or you can just answer it as uh, a regular person. 
if the NFL comes back, let's just stipulate that there will not be fans in the stadium when the games are being played, which means that we're, we, watching at home, are going to be able to hear so much more of the talking on the sideline and on the field than we did previously. Let's say you're in the uh, boardroom, uh, the conference room at CBS or ESPN or Fox, whoever's broadcasting these games, NBC, and it's like, okay, we got to talk about the profanity. We got to talk about the language because, look, there's going to be a lot of profanity during the game. What do we do with that? Do we do we just let that go? Do we do or do, do or do we have to bleep that out because the roar of the crowd is not going to overwhelm the sound, the talking on the field? What do you do with that? Where do you come down? They go around the conference room. It's like, Bill, what do you think we should do about the profanity? Do we let that slide? Uh, I think you 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 get on the phone with uh, the FCC and you say this is how it's going to be. Don't you think we should? be having these games on and i think under the current administration you would get accommodation from the fcc uh to to you know that there's there's only so much you can control and you would talk to the coaches and owners and players and say hey let's let's try to behave here all of your contracts and money depend on not going overboard but uh i i think you you clear it with the fcc ahead of time Throw a little um, disclaimer, a little what, disclaimer at the beginning of the game. If if you're the question for you, like a laugh track for comedy, um, would you be piping in uh, crowd sounds during your broadcast? I would not pipe in sounds as part of the broadcast, but if the home team decided we're going to pipe in sounds for the stadium, there you know that's that. But I'm no, I'm if I'm if I'm the executive at, at one of the networks no i'm not piping in sound no no you might test it yeah I, I i clearly i'm not a fan of laugh tracks and i'm not and so no i would I no would, but, but now now if i were the home team i would absolutely pipe in sound now you don't think you're a fan of laugh tracks but uh have you have you tried watching this show saturday night live lately uh not lately no yeah They've been doing it at home, as you may have read, and uh, with without laughter, you know, it's a it's a different experience in many ways. But I think that uh, they've always uh, piped in some laughter there, and um, it's a live it, audience. It, yeah, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you well, say that about Lorne Michaels, comedy legend Lorne Michaels, piping in laugh tracks? I I think. Uh, I, I think you'll find a lot of uh, experimentation going on when there's no crowd. Well, hopefully we get a chance to see it because hopefully, hopefully sports are going to return. <laughs> All right, Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool and may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. 